Welcome to the Run Back to Jesus podcast, where we are going to let go of all the weights holding us down and run the race God designed us for. Well, if you've been around, you know how much I love exercise. You know also how much I love running. It's kind of odd right now. I'm actually in a season where my body is resisting running and I'm having to work on a whole new mental shift when it comes to laying back from hard workouts. But I love the idea and what running has taught me, regardless if I'll ever be able to fully run again or not. Running has taught me so much about discipline. It has taught me how to push through when everything in you is telling you to stop, how to endure, and how to not give up just because something becomes hard and what happens when you make that mental switch. Now, I've not always been this way. When I was in junior high, I signed up for the track team. My aunt was the coach, and I was going to do the field events because I wanted nothing to do with running. I show up on the first day, and everyone, regardless of what event you were doing, had to run two warm-up laps. And for me, oh my goodness, that was just too far, and I, I quit. I quit my junior high track team. Fast forward to college, and oddly enough, I ended up running college track in cross country. And in college, you did a two-mile, not a two-lap, but a two-mile warm-up for practice every single day. And again, running for me was just such a beautiful way to see how a mental shift can change so much for you. And running is one of those things that the majority of it is a mental aspect. It's learning how to endure when things get tough and learning how to endure for a bigger purpose. And when you learn how to fight through that urge of, I want to stop, I don't want to do this. It's hard, but you keep going. You see how you can grow. And then just the opposite. If you do give into those thoughts, okay, I want to take it easy. Okay, just walk. Just take a break. Just stop. Oh, don't go all the way through the time that you were supposed to be running and you keep cutting it short and cutting it short and giving yourself excuses to throw in the towel. You're not going to grow as an athlete. And that's why to me, exercise is something I love because it teaches us how to rewrite our mind and it teaches us discipline. Now you can learn this in a lot of other ways for you. Maybe your discipline is just getting the laundry done every single week and folding it and actually putting it away. Maybe for you, it's in strength training. Maybe it's in the kitchen. Maybe there is something else where you can practice this discipline and how to rewrite our minds. And we, as we do this, and as we practice this more, it helps us in the battle of life because the easiest way for the enemy to change the course of your life is to change the way you think. Because the way you think then becomes how you perceive life, impacts the choices you make, and ultimately guides you on your journey. There is a reason why I can look at two people at the exact same fitness level and say, let's train for a 5K race. One of them will look at me and say, heck no, I'm out. And the other one says, all right, this is a challenge. Let's go. It's all in how you perceive the challenge in front of you. And life is no different. We've talked about hardships a lot these last few weeks. And not to be a Debbie Downer. But to be real with you, life is going to be filled with hardships and trials, and it's all in how we perceive it and how they shape our life. And the most beautiful thing is when we see how Jesus works, we have all the tools to make that mental shift. You don't have to do it all on your own. He helps you see it through his lens. And if we go back to running, if you thought running was just always supposed to be really easy, a walk in the park. You were never supposed to breathe heavy. Your legs were never supposed to hurt. You were just always out just jogging easy, like looking like in the movies, right? Not a bead of sweat on your face. And that's your perception of what you thought running was. And then you go out and you've never ran a day in your life. It's going to get hard. About a minute in, you're going to think, I'm just not made for this. It's not for me. 
I think I'll just go sit down and enjoy my TV show. Thank you very much. I'm just not a runner. And you miss out on what your body is fully capable of. However, if you find yourself a coach, a good coach can come in and help you through that. For some of you, and this is just me in years of running, some of some of you make running way harder on yourself than it needs to be, <laughs> whether it be your form, how you're running or your training plan. I can't tell you how many times people have come to me about running and they're like, I'm just not meant to run. I'm like, okay, well, well, how did you, how'd you figure that out? I was like, well, I went out to go for a 30 minute run and I just couldn't do it. And I look at them like, well, of course you can't. You haven't run in the 30 years of your life. There's, there's obviously a reason why you can't go run for 30 minutes. When I was starting back both time into running after both of my pregnancy journeys, it was literally 30 seconds at a time. It was 30 seconds of a very light jog, a minute to a minute and a half of walking and slowly building up from there. So the right coach can teach you how to take your journey in the right way, how to push when you're supposed to push and also how to rest when you're supposed to rest and give you all the tools so that you can get to race day and you can look back when you cross that finish line and know you ran your best race. First Peter is a beautiful book in the New Testament that centers all around the angle of our suffering and why we're enduring. And honestly, the New Testament, I mean, if you if you want a, a good place to go, if you are just under trial, under persecution, under hardships, the New Testament is such a beautiful way to see this because the early church faced all kinds of hardships. And the writers of the New Testament knew this, and they wanted the early believers of the church just to have encouragement to keep persevering, that the hardships weren't for nothing, that there was for a greater purpose. Last week, we talked about having life to the full here on earth, even in the midst of the suffering. And that's, of course, where we want to be. But there's even more to the story than that. And to me, that's good news. Because as much as I want to try to find fullness in my hardships, there's still a lot of times where they consume me. Yes, my goal is to get to that place where I can be in complete contentment, complete fullness with Jesus, but I'm also human and you're also human. And that means some days we're not going to get there. And our goal is to keep working but also to remember that there's also more to this story. Now, First Peter is short. You could sit down and read it all in one setting, and I encourage you to do that. If you are looking for just a place to flip to in scripture, go go find this one and read it. You can really just get it done in a day, or you can break it up into little sections and get it down, down into the course of your week. But I want to read this little part from you because this really stood out to me. It says, In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept for you in heaven, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all of this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. 
man, there's so, so much good here, so much to unpack. And it's this, this bigger picture that we are suffering here for a time, but for an inheritance that will never perish or spoil or fade. The end result of our faith, the end result of our race here is the salvation of our souls. It is spending forever in heaven with Jesus. And the line that really stuck out to me, especially as we're talking about hardships, is even now for a little while you've had to suffer. And I don't know about you, but a lot of my sufferings, man, they feel like they're lasting a little bit longer than just a little while. And in our lifetime, the suffering we face may feel like an eternity. But even if it lasts your entire time here on earth, our life is but a quick flash in the story of eternity. In second Peter, if you go to the next book, Peter wrote chapter three, verse eight, Peter says this, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends with the Lord. A day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. Our life is just going to be over in a flash. And when we look back on it, the suffering that has seemed like an eternity, is just going to feel like a small moment in the glimpse of the reality of the eternity that God has created for us. And so why do we suffer? We suffer to see the genuineness of our faith. So we can see that we trust in God's word. We trust in his plan and that even when all kinds of suffering come, we still worship him. And for what? The ultimate prize, salvation, life in heaven forever with Jesus. In James chapter one, verse 12, it says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So this whole time it's shaping us. It's, it's helping us grow. It's proving the genuineness of our faith. When you look in Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about discipline and it talks about enduring hardships as a discipline. And when we do this, God is treating us as children. And you think as parents, we have to, at some point, instill some discipline into our children, right? To help them grow and help them mature. And so that hardship for them in that moment, which is very hard, is a discipline which helps them grow. And that's what God does for us. And I love, I always go back to this one. Hebrews 12, 11 says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And so God is helping us in these hardships, in these disciplines to grow and to be able to produce good things in our life. You know, looking back on my sporting career, some of the coaches that I dreaded the most were actually some of the coaches who helped me grow the most. Some of the coaches who in the time seemed like the most fun. These were the coaches who just let you have fun during practice. It was always a bunch of games. If you want to take a break, you took a break. It was always a good job, even if you slacked off and did miserably and didn't live up to the potential that you had or didn't take things seriously. And while they were fun to be around, they really cut the potential of what we had as athletes. And then there was the complete opposite end to that. Coaches who were just way too hard, they showed no grace, no mercy. You made one mistake and you were done. You got the silent treatment and they taught and coached out of fear. And you could just see that in the players that they coached. It was action based off of a fear mindset and being afraid to make a mistake. Guess what? You're going to make more mistakes and just the defeat that comes from that. 
But then there were the ones who had such a passion for the kids they were coaching and they they got how to coach. I would say all of our coaches certainly gave their best effort, but the ones who came in and they could see the potential in their athletes, they knew how to challenge them. They never gave up on them. When they made a mis- when their athletes had made a mistake or fallen short, they encouraged you to get back up and try it again. They were the coaches who came and sat with you on the bench and taught you from your mistakes. And they also didn't let you take the easy way out but challenged you to grow. And man, these were the ones who I worked hard. I challenged myself. I went deeper than I ever thought I could, but I also learned and grew the most. And these are the coaches that led, maybe not to championships in the form of winning state trophies, but boy, they created some really good disciplines, some really good mindsets in the players that they coached. And those are things that lasted well beyond the game. And this this is my this is my thought around Jesus. He is our perfect coach. He wants us to win the race of life. He wants us to get the prize. He wants you to be in heaven with him. He wants you to grow to your fullest potential here on earth so that you can be a part of his plan in building the most beautiful kingdom in heaven. And he wants you to be there with him. And the way he helps us grow is challenging us through showing us grace and mercy when we don't get it right, through sitting and talking with us when we just, we, we are giving it our all, but we just can't seem to get it click. He's, he's the one who's there to say, you know what? You're taking this step. We want you to take this step and it'll all click together. He's the one who teaches you how to reframe your mindset and to step into those challenges set before you. Because you know, if God put this in my life, it's here for a reason and it's here for a bigger part of his story we reframe our mindset instead of saying why God we say God what do you want me to learn in this situation in this hardship that I'm stepping into what can you reveal to me today or what can I just know by looking at your faithfulness that I may not even see how this all plays out but I can trust you that if you were asking me to step into this while it makes no sense to me right now I'm telling you what Running those 20 million suicides at basketball training made no sense to me, but my coach knew that I would need the endurance for the game, right? We may not have that bigger understanding because we don't think on God's level, but we can trust by looking at his faithfulness and how he's always worked. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That if he's asking you to step into something, it's for a bigger purpose. And that if we can endure till the end, we'll see that when we get with him in heaven and we'll see why We had to walk through all the things we did. And I'll never forget one of the hardest actually workouts that I ever did was in college. It was 400 meter sprints around this grassy field first thing in the morning. And I'm pretty sure we were only supposed to run 18, but one of my teammates had her 19th birthday. So we ended up running 19 of them. I truthfully felt like it was cruel and unusual punishment at the time. And about halfway through, man, I was just so tired. I wanted to quit. I want to be like, all right, I don't know why I signed up for this. Y'all do good. I'm out. My legs were heavy. Breathing was hard. My mind was really over in that moment. Like I was really thinking about, I think I should just throw in the towel. But then I just remember thinking, go one lap at a time. And as I started to push through in those moments where I wanted to quit, I found this sense of comfort in the discomfort and I finished. And not only did I finish, I grew in that workout. I gained strength I didn't know I had. I built endurance. I learned how to change my mindset and I gained the things that I needed to be able to run my race. 
when the race day got hard. And this is life. It's about finding our comfort in the discomfort. And the comfort in the discomfort is only found in Jesus. I'm going to say that again. It's about finding comfort in the discomfort. And our comfort in the discomfort only can be found in Jesus. And knowing that as we find him, yes, we can have life to the full here on earth. But we are not just living for this life here. We are living for a life in heaven with Jesus forever. And we are building an inheritance that will never perish and be taken away from us. Peter reminds us in chapter two, he says, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. We are temporary residents here on earth. We do not belong to this world. We belong to God's kingdom. And so the worldly desire is going to tempt us to to not step into the hardships that God is putting in front of us. He's going to tempt us to go the easy way out when God may be asking us to step through something hard. But we remember that we are temporary residents in this earth that we don't belong here. And so even if the suffering comes and it endures for a lifetime, that we have God's strength in it, we can have life to the full while we are here on earth, but that when we go to heaven, that's that's our prize. That's where we are focusing our eyes on. And there are no hardships in heaven. There's no pain in heaven. The only scars that go to heaven with us are on the hands of Jesus. And he is reaching down from heaven with those hands to hold you today where you are. To say, hang on just a little bit longer. Keep your eyes on me. I will be your comfort in the discomfort. And what you are walking through today, it is hard and it feels so hard. I will comfort you in it. But I promise you this, it's not for nothing. And so that's where we're going to leave it today. Whatever hardship you are walking through today is not for nothing. I encourage you, go check out 1 Peter. Go check out some books in the New Testament and just let you see that you are not alone. That's the other beautiful thing is that we are community together and we are not alone. Find yourself a group of people who want to walk through this journey together and help you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and the emprise of heaven forever with him to help you on the days when you forget, to help you to look back to him as your guide to keep the faith in God's goodness and his faithfulness and that he is a God who keeps his promises. And his promise is that if you keep your eyes on him and you endure, there will be a harvest of righteousness and peace being trained by the hardships you walk through. Let's end today in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you today so thankful for the reminder that we are temporary residents here on earth. God, we ask for your strength as we step into whatever hardships that you are asking us to walk through today. Remembering that we don't have to carry them on our own, that you are carrying them for us and that you are our comfort in the discomfort that life brings. Jesus, help us to keep our eyes on you. Help us to stay fixed into your word. Help us to see the examples that so many of your servants have set before us. Help us to find a community that helps us fix our eyes on you because Jesus, you are the prize. And we want to keep our eyes on you even when life gets hard. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Thank you so much for being here today. As always, we appreciate all of your support, your feedback, your rating, your reviews, sharing the podcast with your friends and family. And if you need to practice that discipline with us, all of our Saturday prayer and workout classes are at no cost to you. We want to give this as a resource to help you move and honor your body and practice pushing through when life gets hard and keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. Thanks for being here. We'll see you again next week.